welcome to the Salted Podcast, where we are translating and transforming our culture with the good news of Jesus. In this episode, we discuss the concept of truth. How does our culture perceive it? How do people leverage it for power and profit? And why Christians should be known as lovers of truth. Let's get salty. Welcome to the Salted Podcast. My name is Yon. I'm Dan Williams. We are excited to have you back. And have you ever asked yourself the question, who cares about the truth? Oh, I've asked myself the question this year more than ever. On the regular these days. Does anybody care about the truth? Does anybody care about the truth? And this episode, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to dive into... Maybe your head is exploding, reading the news, reading social media, engaging with anybody, and you ask yourself, really, does anybody actually care about what is true? So we're going to talk about what the cultural context of truth looks like, what the Bible has to say about it, and then we will decide whether or not we should be shopping in retail malls or in thrifty shoppers in our personal preferences. So stick around to the end. You don't want to miss that part. That's my favorite part. Speaking of absolute truths, we will get down to that one. Amen. But I was uh, reading the New York Magazine, Dan. I don't know if you know I read that, the New Yorker. I'm a highfalutin type. And uh, I came across this, this quote, which I thought was actually very applicable. It says... While probably no former time tolerated so many diverse opinions on religious and philosophical matters, factual truth, truth, if it happens to oppose a given group's profit or pleasure, is greeted today with greater hostility than ever. Well, obviously, Yon, you tore that out of the headlines from this week. Yeah, I read the New Yorker this... Actually, no, it is from 1967. So 50 years ago, there was a similar conversation around... What is truth and truth opposed to someone's personal profit or pleasure Mm. is opposed to. And so we're going to take a look at at kind of what culturally, what has changed, maybe what what today's world, what does truth look like? How do we distort it um, in politics, in pop culture, in our lives? And what exactly the Bible has to say about that? Well, this is a big problem. Right. Um, Let's start with the problem of finding out what even is the truth about anything that's happening in our culture, anything that's really happening in politics. And some would say that only they know the truth. And when they believe they own the truth, obviously that leads to all kinds of culture war, right? They're warring for their own truth. But generally, Yon, take us through some of the ways in which we can see just by watching and reading and listening and following that this truth issue is a, a, is a problem for our culture now. Yeah. I think it is a problem for, for everybody. Like you said, everybody has a perception of what is true. A lot of people believe that what they believe is true. Um, And so the question then becomes, what what's right what's true what is actually um the reality in which we are living okay so to clarify are you referring to 
the truths of one's faith? Are you talking about the the truth of the Christian faith, the truth that, that is that is held dear by the Muslims, or yeah, help me help me help us clarify what truth you're referring to? Sure. So there's a couple different levels of truth in terms of de- definitions of truth. There's uh, what would be considered an absolute truth, which is something that is true all the time, always true all the time. So that would fall into the category probably of religious truth if you believe. Um, in a specific religious perspective, and we as Christians would believe that Scripture is true all the time um, in every situation. So that's an absolute truth. The fact that God exists is always true all the time. And there, that and that's separate from circumstances, era, history. Uh, it's something that just is never changing, correct. always the same. You said. Uh, and it's true at all times and all places. Right. Okay. Yep. And so there's this this concept of absolute truth, which which we wouldn't necessarily be talking about um, today. But may, I think one of the problems that we see is that a lot of us roll in our what we believe, our subjective perspective on things, and we kind of elevate it to levels of maybe objective truth, where it's true uh, apart from my subjectivity, or we elevate it to this level of absolute truth. Um, in the way that we perceive the way the world is going. Um, and so that, that shows up in politics. It shows up in our personal lives. So we show up to the way and we engage people knowing, th- believing that what we know and what we believe is, in fact, absolute truth. And anything that you say or anything that you believe contrary to that is not only just a difference of opinion, it's a difference in the fact that that can't, that's not objective. It's right. not absolute truth. And therefore it's wrong. It's wrong. And, and I, and I've sensed, and I'm, cl- I'm sure you have too, that at no other time in my life have I heard so many people on both sides, not just refer to someone else's truth as wrong, but it's evil. Right. So, so now the other side who has a different version of the truth, or they're holding a different truth that they believe to be absolute or, or maybe objective. Um, and so each side believes the other person is um, not just uninformed, not just incorrect, not just um, deceived, but they're literally, they hold an evil pos- an evil truth or an evil right. position. Yeah, and we- you can see that on... You can see that even people who don't necessarily believe in evil or literal evil would believe that, yes, if someone is opposite of me, it is light versus dark. I think yeah. the, pre- the new president, Joe Biden, mentioned that in his speech. He talked about it's a battle between light and dark. And when you think you're on the light or when you think you're on the right side of history, saying we are the ones who, who right. got it right and you're on the wrong side of history, um, it doesn't matter what side you're on. When we're looking at each other that way, it's pretty hard to reconcile or... Um, move away from okay well this might just be my opinion it's it's heretical yeah. to change to, sure. to to dissent and to think differently right so. and and that's this um you know we might be wise to edit this part out but when you sit down at the table with terrorists you're not going to talk through your subjective opinions on how the policy can be rearranged right you're talking to somebody who believes that they have divine inspiration and that the person that they're negotiating with is an infidel deserving to be uh, killed right for not believing their truth right right so it it it's in, it, i say that to say it gets intense fast yeah. if your truth is absolute and the other person by disagreeing with that truth is ab, is is evil now 
we get into some major issues and we probably don't have the time or interest even to kind of dive into it here, but it does bring some really, really uh, severe challenges for Christians. Right. Yeah. And then one of the, one of the big problems for us as Christians, as we look at this idea of, of truth and um, engaging truth is, first of all, we have to understand that I think that there's people out there who they generally believe what they believe is true. Mm-hmm. Which is fine, right? Yeah. Because everyone, no one is going to live their lives in accordance with something that they don't actually believe. Sure. So that's one thing. So well, we can't necessarily, we start by not demonizing each other and saying, well, this person actually believes this and mm-hmm. um, we can, let's start there, right? Yeah. I believe something, so, you believe something. So maybe they're the deceived, but they're not demonic. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the, uh, we might have a difference of opinion, but they're not, they're not the devil. Right. Okay. Right, but then there's another the uh, the other thing that we have to I think re- um, reconcile and um, recognize is the fact that there are um, entities out there that are interested in distorting the truth and even promoting untruth for power and profit. Like who? Well, I have no, I have no <laughs> idea, but maybe maybe some politicians, maybe some um, entertainment networks, maybe some news agencies, maybe I grew whatever up, it is. I grew up in an era, and I, and I just happened to not watch it now, but I grew up in an era where uh, preachers telling lies yeah. was a massive industry, huge profiteering from uh, making up things prophetically, healing, and, and so on, so all kinds of abuse there. Yeah. So you, it runs the whole gamut, the whole spectrum of, of really um, innocuous almost, where I'm a soccer fan, so every time there's a like a transfer season where people can buy and sell players in England, they there's like no rules. You guys, people are just straight up lying. Like Dan Williams is going to sign for Manchester United, and then and everyone's like, "What? No!" But they just want clicks. They don't care about the truth, and that's mm-hmm. an innocuous type of okay. Well, you just want clicks. Then you go all the way to the other end of the spectrum where people are propagating untruths and distortions of truths, and you get into some pretty significant high level conspiracy theories where where people start really believing some damaging things that lead them down a road um, that um, ends up pretty either in violence, either in some sort of conspiratorial actions, whatever it is. So there's this whole spectrum of people pushing untruths or intentionally distorting things because they want clicks, they want engagement, they want money, they want power. And I think maybe one of the starting points is us as Christians is realizing, well, first of all, the person who doesn't believe what I believe, they're not the devil, they're not demonic, but also recognizing that there are people who are pushing distortions of truth and untruths yeah. primarily as a way to outrage us and mobilize us to for their profit and their power. And the appeal to those distortions is that they tend to be truths in in some fashion. There's right. a truth element, right? That it, maybe we could call it a twisted truth, or these are half truths that that are being advanced, and and uh, so they are believable, even though they are um, half truth. Correct. Or yeah, and then then there's something I think even more intense, right? Which which is where someone is intentionally deceiving somebody, where they're advancing facts while hiding a bigger truth. Right. Right. So. The deception is that what they're saying is true, but it's out of context, and there's actually a bigger truth that matters more than what they are right. what they are saying. Yeah, and that's a big a big question for not only Christians but everybody who's kind of trying to engage culture and even cares about the truth. 
there is so much information, and I think that um, there has been so much damage done to the credibility of people who are supposed to be telling the truth. Primarily, I mean, if you look politically at the climate, there is so much damage done to the credibility of, of the journalism world that um, most people on either side of the aisle, when they hear something that is displeasing to their own side, I think most people, the initial reaction is, well, that's advocacy journalism. They right. are advocating for a specific person or political party, and therefore I can't trust that information. Right. Or uh, it might be true, but it's not in context. It's not contextualized. Sure. You, you have pulled and cherry-picked something just to make a point. And so, um, it, it yeah. is fascinating to me that typically I feel like this. I feel like only the other side that I don't necessarily agree with is distorting the truth. Right. Yeah. Obviously, that's yeah. always. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, it's important for us to recognize that corporate media uses propaganda and narrative reporting in order not just to shape a worldview or shape an opinion or shape um, um, maybe um, someone's uh, understanding of something for a cause but also because they're in business. And the reason that I use the phrase corporate media is because their, their desired outcome is not necessarily getting the real story into the ears, eyes, and hearts of the people. Their, their business model is for profit. Right. So uh, they need stories that sell, not necessarily stories that are true. Right. And what sells? Uh, chaos, yeah. outrage, right. tragedy, yep. shock, right? We've, we've kind of talked about this around our church family uh, a bit the past several months. But, um, and, and what I've noticed is that, that not just through corporate media, but really in politics and a lot of pop culture, there is a contempt for truth that is head spinning. And what I mean by that is, the fact that for a lot of consumers of the news, consumers of culture and consumers of, of whatever entertainment or cable news or, or, or conversations, anybody who's consuming things, truth only matters when it advances their cause. Right. In other words, truth that doesn't advance their cause is rejected, distorted, it is resisted, it is out of hand, not considered because that particular fact or story or tr possible truth somehow doesn't advance their cause. And I feel that. I mean, I feel that myself. I'm not just saying that this is other people doing this. I feel right. this. When, when I'm confronted with something and I go, ooh, that doesn't fit my understanding of the facts or the truth of the real story, I have a defensive reaction to it. Like it cannot be true. Find right. a way to wiggle around it or kind of right. dash or dodge. Um, and, and what I've noticed is, and this is, this is obviously, uh, we can all see this together, that truth is distorted when it doesn't advance our cause or advance someone's case, right? So it only matters when it advances your case. And if it, and if it doesn't, then that truth doesn't matter. Right. Right. Yep. So for example, somebody being accused of um, inappropriate sexual conduct, we'll call it sex, uh, sexual misconduct. It only matters if it's the other party, right? The opposing political party's candidate. Right. When, when, and, and in that case, we want to know the facts. We want someone ought to do an investigation right. on them. And, and, and uh, I'll, I'll quote Nancy Pelosi in, in Twitter, hashtag follow the facts. Right. Right. 
But when it's my candidate or it's my favorite celebrity or it's the preacher that I follow on, on, uh, on Instagram, I, I instantly have the sensation that they're being falsely accused or attacked. Right. Because then it doesn't advance my cause or it yeah. doesn't protect my person necessarily. Um, and then uh, that truth, of course, I've noticed is easy to distort and twist it yep. into something that uh, is invalid. Yeah, and I think it's, it's a, I mean, we are not, I don't think we're aiming to be cynical and saying, well, then just disregard, just step away, don't listen to anything, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's a, I think it's more of a perspective of, well, we have to be aware of what is actually going on and why people, you know, what, why people are sharing information the way they're sharing it. And I know it's exhausting to think of, well, how am I going to, I have to do my own homework. And even the, even the idea of, well, I'm going to do my own homework. It's, it's like, well, I'm running a bit, I, I'm working a job. I'm running a business. I work in a church. I got a family. I'm doing all this stuff. I don't have time to, to dig into all of these things and, and, and get down to the granular details of truth of, of what the context is. And so it's a, it's a, it's maybe even an acceptance of saying, you know, I understand that this is the way news truth is being presented to me. Um, and just again, starting at saying jump a little bit of humility and saying, "Look, this is you know, this is the way that it's being presented to me. This is the, the way my friends and family news is being presented to them, and truth is being presented to them." And so it's just a starting point, as opposed to let's just throw it all out, right? We can't right. trust anybody. Like Donald Trump says, the news, you know, the, the news is the is the the enemy oh, of the people, people yeah. and it's fake news, and it's 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 just a starting point of saying, "Well, can we be a, maybe objective truth and say?" well, what is the motivation behind, behind people who are pushing certain things right. um, and, and preaching their truth? A couple of the things that I think need to be pointed out is that there's two sides of every story, every um, circumstance. Even, I mean, how often do you hear the story about what happened in some kind of police brutality or police shooting headline and then later see the video and say, "Man, that is not how right. it was portrayed," or vice versa. Yep, and that's a it's a you know being a marine and an infantry officer in combat. You, and when you're in combat, you know that battlefield reporting is notoriously unreliable. Mm. You you hear something and you can say, "Oh wow, that's incredible," um, but you know that it's probably not accurate because the heat of the moment, things are going on, and people the you know the the fog of war comes in and it kind of muddles up communication that I mean now does that mean that my guys who are in the fight are intentionally giving me false information of course not right they're just it just isn't the the full picture because of the human factors that go in there there's some chaos there's some um, anxiety there's some stress and then that's going to change the the way that they perceive um, what's going on and they have right. a, their myopic view from where they are um, what we've seen is that when the truth surfaces we go back to what we just said. If it doesn't fit someone's narrative, advance their cause, or support their case, the truth is rejected, distorted, or otherwise um, right. abandoned. Right. right. But if it does support their case or their cause, or it protects their person, then the truth is is embraced. Right. And I think that's that's a that's a major major issue. Right. And then I recently discovered that there's a phrase. <laughs> being used in politics and journalism, which I first heard, I think, in a White House press briefing where the phrase alternative facts was being used. Right, yeah. That's just the idea that someone presents facts, which could be factual and they could be truth, 
but they don't provide context. And so someone else has to come along and say, well, here's our set of facts. They are equally as true, but they help build some context as, as opposed to why things are happening the way they are happening. And I think that's the, that's kind of the, the critical part is I think one thing that, that really helps aid in this whole concept of truth is I think the, the concept of time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's generally a sense to say, as soon as I hear something that promotes my side and, and hurts the other side, I'm going to throw that out there. I'm going to throw that, those truths out there. And then ironically, if, if that turns out to not be true, there's very few people who go back and say, Hey everybody, I just want you to know what I said and the, totally. the information that I had propagated and promoted is not in fact true. And I repent of that. I am very sorry mm-hmm. because it's just essentially a, it's a footnote. Um, right. editor's note yeah. modification, right? No one, no one goes back and ruins their own credibility. You know what? I, I hate to be this cynical young, but I wonder if anyone even cares. Yeah. I, I mean, it, the story's already landed. It's already had the impact. Um, and for some people it was already, uh, sensational to feel the feels of reading that story right. when the corrections made it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a downer. Right. But uh, I think even, I mean, even in our own personal lives, I mean, the idea of, uh, of going back and saying, Oh yeah, you know what? You I were right. That. I yeah. blew that one. You know, I, 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 we were talking about this, and I brought up some, some things that I thought were true, and they weren't in fact true. So, I'm sorry. I'll do better next time. I mean, even that kind. Like, you hear that, that Jules? Yo, yeah, yeah. You will be hearing from Yon more oh, often. No, I thought you were talking to her <laughs> about the time she's going to be apologizing to me. Uh-huh. Jules is my wife. For those of you, who yeah. Don't know. At least presently. Correct. <laughs> so, um, Yon, tell us a little bit about. Postmodernism. It's important for us to understand, I think, um, how postmodernism views the truth in general. Yeah, I think just culturally where we are is, yes, there are corporate kind of entities that are trying to push for, for power and for profit, and they're, they're pushing certain narratives and, um, and what they would consider truths. But I think culturally speaking, generally, um, we're kind of, we've, we've kind of, we're out of the modernism into postmodernism era, which simply means that, um, it kind of started off by, by being all things are equally valid and equally true. Hmm. So it's, you could think of this religiously like every religion is just a different road to the top of the same mountain, mm-hmm. right? It's just a different. So they're all equally valid. But now uh, postmodernism has, has kind of regressed into all things are equally invalid. Mm-hmm. So they've decided to tear everything down and nothing is true. And you're, you might hear this phrase, and it's, and it's ironic, is the, the phrase... You know, there is no absolute truth, which ironically is an absolute is truth, an absolute yeah, truth right, right? right? So, so the, the conversation now is, and this goes to conversations around identity, um, gender identity, um, political uh, uh, activism and um, all that kind of stuff. The idea is, well, who is it that is, um, where is, where is our, our objective and absolute source of truth? If there are no absolutes that just you've set yourself up as the absolute. So if there are no absolutes, that just means, Hey, whatever pastor Dan says is the truth. Right. Um, but if there are objective truths and there are absolute truths, such as uh, there is a God, there is a deity, there are scriptures and he tells us how to live. Those would be the standards by which we live. So everybody has an objective, absolute truth. It's just a matter of where they place that. And so that's kind of where we are in society. What does someone mean when they say, um, tell your truth or uh, criticize me all you want. I'm just, I'm just telling you my truth. Right. What is, what is, how do we understand that? Some of it is a little bit related to what we talked about in terms of 
this is what they actually believe. They believe this; these are the facts that they believe. But I think more of it has to do with there's this there's this idea of of constructivism in the world, and that's kind of an academic thing. But it's this idea that we as human beings can construct our own reality. Okay, so whatever we so whatever I believe to true be true is, is and I experienced this in my PhD program of all things. And we're talking to my professor. He's like, "Well, the universe is going to provide for you," and I'm like, "I'm like, what? Uh, what are you even talking about? Like." You can't say that the universe, like, how's the universe going to provide? What's the universe? And he's like, well, there is, there's, there's no objective, absolute truth. I'm like, well, you've just made an absolute statement. He goes, well, that's your truth. And I was like, I, was like, I don't even know how to respond to that. So it's this really very ambiguous idea mm-hmm. that, you know, everyone has this beautiful truth inside them and they just, they can espouse it and that's okay. And if everyone does that, then we somehow create our own reality right. apart from, um, which is God. which is really so hard to accept if you also um, have noticed the full wholehearted embrace of science, right? Right. So here's here's someone who would say that's your truth, or uh, there's no real absolute truth. Everything's subjective. You kind of create your own reality, and the universe will provide for you if you believe there's a universe, whatever that universe definition might right. be in your fantasy world, right? Yep. And at the same time, say, follow the facts. Science right. brings you to conclusions. There are systems and sciences that always work, and they're reliable. Um, and, and honestly, I don't know how, and this is a separate conversation, I don't know how someone would advance these kind of subjective truths or the absence of absolute truth and also be able to embrace math and science and music, which are all based on things that are always true. Right. Ironically, you're going to, we can, well, we might talk about this in future episodes, but there's a movement to say that two plus two equals five. Um, well, yeah, it's clearly common core. Yeah. Right. But that's a, but that's a, it's a thing. Right. And so and it's, it's specifically about what we're referring to, right? Yeah. It's the, it's the, it's the unraveling of the concept that there are objective absolute right. truths. And everything is a construct, right? The idea that sure. everything that we live in, the reality that we live in, is a construct of humanity. Culture, and call you, sociology, exactly, exactly yeah. all yeah. that stuff. And so, again, ironically, um, and this is, again, a conversation maybe for a later episode, but ironically, the person who says and espouses the belief that everything is a construct is speaking from a standpoint of, you're just constructing that idea, right? right? If everything's a construct, even what you're saying is a construct, and right. therefore we we get, be, and this is where really it becomes problematic because then, well, who really does, who really is right? Yeah. Right? It's like, if there is no truth, it's just a conversation between what you want and what I want. Well, that's why it's so, if you don't have an anchoring standard plumb line, and this is really what we're getting at, and, and maybe we can provide a brain break for people here, but... um and, and, and by the way, I always feel compelled to mention, by no means are we positioning ourselves as authorities on these topics. I mean, there are people sure. whose entire lives and careers are based in the studies of these things and so on. I mean, what we're providing in the Salted Podcast is really like, how can you dip your feet into the shallow end of a topic that's probably, right. you know, 100 feet deep? Um but how can we change the way that we look at it? Because I'm, I'm expecting that this topic in some ways, if maybe someone finds this interesting uh, and engaging, other people are just kind of figuring out if they care about this. But um, 
how can we transform and change the way we look at it if we're ready to anchor ourselves and we're ready because I can you imagine I started to say this a minute ago can you imagine the the absolute confusion and chaos in in people's minds who don't have an anchoring absolute truth to to set their roots down in their life and what a for me it's a mental disaster to go out and wander into the world of secular humanism and materialism and so on can you even imagine somebody who has no reference point at all it's got to be so painful and disorienting to think yeah. is everybody's truth true do i have to do i have to own everything that everybody always says right. or is there a way i can really transform and change the way i look at it what is god you know right. uh, in 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 our worldview of course from our christian worldview uh we get really he gives us everything we need Right. To transform the way that we yeah. see if, this. If you go down the road, if we if we were to go, and we're going to talk about how what the biblical principles are compared to this, but if you go down the road of really secular humanism and the idea of postmodernism and, and absolute relativism, right? That Nietzsche, I think, said it best where he was like, he essentially said, he was honest about it. And he said, well, I should probably just kill myself. Because, I mean, that's, that's the road you, you almost end at if you go all the way down. And obviously that's an extreme example, but he's kind of the father of it. And he he kind of ended up with, well, what's the point? Yeah, right? he's saying if you follow the logic of this kind of thing. Correct, right? yeah, exactly. That's okay. where you end. Yeah, you end up where, well, okay, well, like literally there's no point, right? right? It's just me living in my own world. And even what I think is good or bad, it may not actually be good or bad, right? right? But the, right. the like you said, the, the Bible provides us not only principles, it provides us guardrails. Um, and so... Tell us a little bit about what those principles well, are. Well, we have to start with this. He is the truth, according to the Judeo-Christian understanding of God, that, that and that what he says and who he is is the measuring tool by which everything else is measured. In other words, who God is and what God says is the unchangeable standard absolute truth that is it's and anything that's constructed beyond that around that or outside of that um, is not true and any way that that um, is in conflict with any truths that are in conflict with god or god's word is distorted or deceptive and really in the scriptures god teaches us about an enemy there's an enemy of our soul and one of the primary roles that that enemy has, or um, I would say, one of the primary ways in which that enemy functions is to distort and deceive with counterfeits. Well, a counterfeit is basically taking what God has created as true and distorting it, twisting it, half truth. Just it's all the things that we described earlier. Right. There is an enemy enemy of our soul. In the scriptures, his name is Satan, and that's what he does: counterfeits. Um, deceives, distorts, using truth, right. not fabricated fantasy stories of sci-fi imagination, but what's true. So that's the starting point. God is the truth, and what he says is the measuring um, reference point for everything else. Um, and uh, I think that it's important for us to recognize um, something specific, that God says when you demand the truth from others— but you yourself reject the truth. It's hypocrisy, right? Hypocrisy meaning you're imposing something on someone else or judging someone for something that you yourself are doing or imposing something on someone else that you yourself don't apply, 
Right. And there's some there's hypocrisy there. And by the way, Jesus did not have pleasant things to say to the hypocrites. Right. To the people who did this very thing of imposing things on other people they themselves did not apply yeah. or demanded the truth from someone, but they themselves rejected that right. same truth, hypocrisy. Yeah. So so um, those are that's important to start. So A, uh, one way to change the way you look at it is understand that the, the discovery of truth is going to be in God and by what God says. And... You know those things help us help us in, in, in quite a bit uh, to navigate our, our culture and our politics, but also um, that I have to commit myself to imposing the truth first on myself, right. accepting, living by, embracing, and wholeheartedly conforming myself or submitting myself, shaping myself by God's truth. And to start there and stay there, right? Rather than um, being so unfocused on myself and laser focused on other people. And God uses an example. Jesus tells a story about the. Uh, um, um, he doesn't tell a story. He makes a. He does this illustration. It's a metaphor where he basically says this: Before you pay attention to the speck in someone else's eye clear the plank out of your own eye. And I think that's relevant for our conversation with the truth. In other words, I should care much, much less about other people distorting and deceiving with the truth right. than I'm concerned about myself in whether or not I accept, embrace the truth for myself, even when it doesn't necessarily advance my cause right. or support my case. Right. I we'll think get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that in a second. I think it's funny because the more I, I, I read the... Uh, a scripture taken out of context a lot when people are talking about truth and they, they say you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free oh, and they're, they're applying it generally to all of their their things that they believe but obviously if you know anything about what that is referring to it's a capital t truth and that is talking about christ it's talking about the the good news of jesus the truth as a person right yes yeah. exactly embodied in incarnate in mm -hmm. a human being uh in the person and work yeah of that's jesus. a good point i mean here's a Here's a scripture which someone holds dear, which they believe to be absolutely true, being applied and used and preached or 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 proposed in a in a distorted right. way. And it's a bit of a condemn. It's a there's a little bit of a mm -hmm. undertone of condemnation sure. as they say that because, well, clearly if you don't, I'm using scripture. If you don't know the truth, then you're not going to be free. You're you're enslaved to something. But so I mean, the Bible gives us some clear principles. Um, what are what are what are some principles in terms of how do we actually yeah. live this out? Well, kingdom people um, love the truth, and the way that we know that is this: it's because God has children who belong to Him, and if He's the truth, obviously His children would love their Father, right? So, by loving the Father in heaven, by loving God Himself, we're actually loving the truth. So. Um, kingdom people have to be wholeheartedly devoted to loving, embracing, and demanding the truth primarily of themselves and for themselves, right? So now, obviously, everybody who's listening to this, like I would, would say, well, I do. I, right. I, I am the one right. who knows the truth, right. embraces the truth, and loves the truth, right? right? But there are signs that you love the truth. 
one sign that you love the truth is that you don't accept what you hear at face value. You assume that what you're hearing from these outlets, whether it's media, pop culture, politician, whether it's the preacher or whatever, if you love the truth, you can't accept what you hear at face value. Right. So if the preacher's preaching um, and you trust that preacher, uh, I would recommend the trust and verify approach. Right. I trust that it's true, but I'm going to verify it. I'm going to dig in and see if, in fact, it's true. Um, and and, and, the, and the same the same could be said of um, the, what we see in our tabloid headlines. Do we believe the tabloid headlines? Why don't we believe the tabloid headlines? Because over time we've come to realize that those are fabricated clickbait. In other words, what you hear or see or read at face value in, in, in many, many cases is just like a headline on a tabloid. And that is that that is written in order for you to click it, read it, view it. Um, it's for ratings. And even preachers now preaching in such a way and distorting truth in such a way or somehow um, effectively doing what they do for the purpose of views or for the purpose of follows, right? Yep. So what that means is that we instinctively, without being cynical, we have to be uh, willing to resist accepting what we hear right at face value. It's just the application of some wisdom. It's sure. It's almost like if you're walking down the street and someone comes up to you and they start telling you something, you don't immediately say, "Oh my goodness, you are absolutely right. Let's go." And they call you to action. You you you're like, "Hmm, yep. interesting." A apply a little bit of, of for sure. To <laughs> yeah, it's as simple as that. Now, another sign you love the truth. And by the way, there's a lot of signs that you love the truth. I've just kind of honed in on you two hate of the them Yankees. Here. <laughs> yeah. See, now we're talking about deception. Remember that enemy of our soul that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. So even when it doesn't help your cause, this is a sign you love the truth. Even when it doesn't help your cause, you accept it. Uh, the real truth effectively confronts both sides. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's how I've come to discover whether or not something I'm agreeing with, embracing, or believing is true. Because I've noticed that when it doesn't confront both sides, when it only confronts my opponent, when it only confronts the person in the argument that I'm that I don't agree with, it's probably not fully true. Right. So God's truth effectively confronts both sides because both sides are made up of human hearts, and human hearts are corrected and confronted, and uh, ultimately called into submission to to God's truth. So that's a couple of signs that you love the truth. You don't accept what you hear at face value, and even when it doesn't help your cause, you're willing to accept it because it's true. Right. Yeah. And there's probably some practical things of putting yourself or in positions or listening to perspectives that you know might be different than yours simply because you want to see the other side, and you want to say, well, what, I mean, if you just put yourself in an echo chamber, you're only going to hear what you think is true. And if you don't intentionally go out and, and pursue some different perspectives, then you're going to, you're just going to end up believing what you've always believed. Yeah. And one of the, over time, um, over time, 
a pet peeve has grown in my own mind and heart. And one of my pet peeves is when someone on the other side of an argument from me, uh, and by argument, I don't mean a, a raised voice um, argument. Of course, I mean uh, a debate, right, or a sure. topic that you're that you're you're trying to sort through. One of the things I've, I've it's really come to um, be a, a pet peeve of mine is straw man arguments. Right. When the other side objects to my position using an argument or a belief that I don't even hold. Right. So if you love truth, you won't do that to the other side. Right. You will try to discover what the other side means, what they are intending, what their understanding of this particular fact or this story or this truth is. And that takes time. How do I know it takes time? I've been married for 26 years. Mm -hmm. And here's what, or maybe 27. It, it's the same. It, yeah. It's the same. Yeah. Once you get over 20, it's, uh, it's the same. Yeah. Then you get to 30 and 40 and that's, yeah. The, you're on. And the, you don't even remember. The decade markers the now. Right. Yeah. So, um, so in marriage, I have learned that as uh, Raquel and I talk, that it takes a long time to get to the point where I finally understand the way she understands it. Right. And she finally understands the way I understand it. And I know this, that if we were talking in headlines or if we were talking in a 90-second spot yeah. or a Facebook <laughs> feed, we would have wild um, misunderstandings. That So in other words, it, you can't react at the surface or you can't... Um, you can't provide uh, or disagree with someone's straw man arguments that right. you're making, yep. right? That's that's my point. It's find out what someone really believes. Yeah. And and people do that to the Christian faith all the time. Well, I can't believe the Christian faith because this, this, and this. And I listen to it and say, well, who, who even believes that? Right. I mean, I don't know anybody who even believes what you're objecting to. Right. So it's, and here's what I'm, here's what I'm thinking. As a believer, it's incumbent upon me if I want to bring change and transform the the uh, pop culture and politics and personal preferences. It's incumbent upon me not to put forward straw man arguments. Right, and I need to take the time to understand what someone means uh, when they say uh, what they're saying. Right, what they really mean. And right. sometimes it's it means less than they're saying. It means what I thought they were saying, and sometimes it means something profoundly different from what I thought they were saying. Right. And so how do you, um, how do we search? I mean, we're not, if someone's listening, they might think that we're being, in, we would default to the cynical and just be like, you know, forget it all. Mm. But yeah, I know you're not saying that. So no. what do we, how do we even just our perspective and our posture towards um, these types of conversations? Yeah, I mean... It's funny you should bring up cynicism, and, and, and the first thing I wanted to add here could easily be cynical, um, but without being cynical, have the wisdom to assume that what you're seeing or hearing or reading, you're being manipulated, or you're being deceived, or you're being lied to, especially by any entity that's selling right. ratings, yep. right? So whatever outlet you're tuned into, you have to start 
from the position that if they're selling ratings, it's possible that it's a distortion, deception, or that there's some manipulation being right. happened. Especially if you're getting done and you're more angry than you started, there's a good chance you're being stoked. Sure, yeah. Um, by something that may be true, but it may be an extreme irrelevant truth, right? Right. Um, so, so what does that mean? It means basically learn to doubt what you're hearing from um, corporate media, celebrity pastors. Um, just learn to doubt it at first. Again, trust and verify, uh, and especially if it's stirring up anger and it's making your blood boil. Right. Um, and then you can also, uh, this, is a, this is really a hard one, but I, I think it's important to diligently search for sources of truth. Uh, but probably this is probably a great chance for us to say to our, our listeners, if you know where those sources of truth are, right, yeah. you know, reach out to Yon and I and help us find them. You found it. You listen to it right now. Yeah. No this is deal. It. Yeah. You can stop right here. Yep. Yeah. Um, but that's that's going to take a lot of work. Search for some sorts, sources of truth. Yeah, but there's a diligent. The word diligently is, I mean, diligence is a things like you don't get physically fit by accident, just by kind of doing it halfway. You don't. Um, become a, a great dad or a great husband by just kind of mailing it in. Our diligence requires some effort. It requires an actual pursuit, and it requires confronting, like you've already said, confronting some things that are going on in ourselves that we're already doing and being convicted and being willing to change and being confronted with new ideas and saying, okay, well, how does that idea conflict with what I believe? And then um, either change or put it in my library and think, okay, well, this is, I understand what, what someone exactly. else thinks now. So exactly. diligency takes effort. And I think a lot of us probably are guilty of not necessarily diligently. We're, we're, we're a one click, right? We're yeah. one yep. click one, on one click and share. Yep. One Google search, click yep. it, share it. And well, yep. how about, how about, um, here's the choice, right? It's diligent search for the truth or it's just lazy listening. Yep. Right. And that's uh, obviously we're saying it's dangerous, but it, and, and really it means that we are being sure that we embrace and advance the biggest truths. Um, and, you know, one example I would have of that is the phenomenon in the Christian body, the Christian community of unlovingly condemning someone for Christian behaviors or beliefs using unloving and condemning unchristian beliefs and right. behaviors. Yeah. Right. What, what better way to demonstrate the love of Jesus than to not demonstrate the love of Jesus? Right. Right. Anyway. Right. I am. I'm. So I'm going to. I'm going to challenge your ungodly views using evil and ungodly, un non-Christian right. right. uh, behavior yeah. attitudes and words. Yep. Right. So, and a lot of times it's not even, it may not even be ungodly behavior. Right? It just might be personal preference that you're sure now responding well, to yeah. ungodly and unchristian. <laughs> yeah. Your personal preference, which has somehow become an absolute truth. That's right. Right. Um, and, you know, there is, so uh, this idea of embracing and advancing the biggest truth is, it, it's easy to misunderstand because I don't mean that there are truths that are important and then there are truths that are unimportant. Right. right. So God advances these truths. And what I mean is, it, I think it's kind of embodied in something that happened when Jesus was, was teaching and the Pharisees dragged out, uh, the Pharisees being the religious teachers who were um, devoted to 
the law and that God, you're approved by God if you follow the rules and regulations. Right. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm the fulfillment of the law. Now it's not by your good works that you're saved by, by fulfilling the law. It's by faith in me, right? So they challenge him. They have caught a woman in adultery. They drag her out in front of Jesus and in front of the crowd that he's teaching. It's a dramatic story in the New Testament, completely worth uh, reading and, and, and trying to grasp. And this woman is caught in adultery, in the act of adultery, and they bring her out and they condemn her uh, for the evil of immorality. Well, I should say this. They know that the scriptures call for her to be stoned. Yep. Because uh, a, a, when you break the law with the immorality of adultery, the punishment is death, right? So here's what they're saying to Jesus. So she broke the law, and they were condemning her for it. And Jesus has this response, and most everybody knows about this response, but Jesus has this shocking response. And he says, basically he says, I know what the law says, so why doesn't the person here who has no sin, why don't they throw the first stone, right? And it's a, it's a, it's a massive... Um, it's a massive turnabout there in the story. And, and, and basically what he says is this, your sin, your own sin, and your own attitude of accusation and condemnation, it disqualifies you from judging her from her sin. Right. So, uh, and what he's saying is he's calling for veracity over rightness. So they were right that the law called for her to be stoned. But what Jesus was saying is there's a bigger truth that I've here to embody myself, which is grace, right? right? Um, so he says, aim for veracity over rightness, which basically means that you live out the truth that you claim to believe, that you, um, that you have a conformity to the facts, that you live out the truth that you're pre preaching instead of bludgeoning someone with a lesser truth. Right. Right. So, so an example, uh, in this example, what I mean is they want to beat her to death with the truth that she broke the law. And Jesus introduces a bigger truth, which is your sin disqualifies you. Right. And you should humbly... Um, forgive her and extend grace of course jesus has this little exchange with her where he says where are your accusers because after he says let the uh, uh let those of you who have no sin let the one with no sin throw the first stone and eventually the scriptures say that the gospel writer says they, sl they slip away and then jesus says that um uh where are your accusers and she says they're gone and he says well i don't accuse you either go and sin no more and so it's incredible scene where he basically says there is a bigger truth here. Right. And that bigger truth, um, if you embrace it, if you conform yourself to it, you live, you live with this veracity in your life, um, you will find that you care more about your own veracity than your own rightness. And, right. and, it, and it pains me to see rightness used as a weapon to bludgeon other people. Yeah, and especially in a climate in which we are existing where there's so many different outlets who are pushing ideas and pushing facts and as a christian we we want to we want to fight it out we want to we want to present facts because we care about the truth but in the way we do it we discredit ourselves and suddenly the thing that we are supposed to care most about and the thing that we are supposed to communicate the most and embody is the truth of the good news of jesus and suddenly we've 
deprioritize it and we're more concerned about the little t truth about our politics our personal preferences morality. our morality all these things and suddenly well we've immediately dis- discredited ourselves and disqualified ourselves from being heard from right. the people that we are supposed to be persuading and yeah. it's a it's a it's a pretty shocking thing to to to, to watch play out as people who follow Jesus as we are supposed to be making disciples and making learners and followers of Jesus and modeling for people what it looks like to live and to follow Jesus. And it's a, it's a massive turnoff and it's a massive, very few things poison in my, this is just my opinion. Very few things poison someone's heart than the desire to be right rather than persuasive. Right. And Jesus, am I right? No, not yet. Uh, I love that. (laughs) Love being right. Yeah, when when someone, um, rather than choosing, and the word actually in the New Testament is winsome. Yeah. Winsome is the word when when someone is, they're aiming to be persuasive with tone and attitude and grace and and forgiveness and love, rather than just saying, "Well, I'm right," and that justifies me right. uh, knocking you unconscious. And again, um, the people in order to do that, someone has to be right in some way. Right, they feel justified and they feel right in some way, um, but again, if you conform to bigger truths, then you're a person who loves, you're a person who um, who forgives, and you're a person who is who is gracious. Yep, and it's a, and so we, I mean, that is a the topic of truth. There's a lot of stuff to talk about, as as you can see, right? I mean, we're talking about the truth, the the truth of Jesus, the good news, and how we as Christians can prioritize that. But also at the same time, salt politics, pop culture, and personal preferences and engage the world in a way in which we are advocating and advancing the cause of not only big T truth, but also the pursuit and the veracity and diligence and searching after even the most important little T truths in terms of what is actually matters and, and, and the state of our current reality and the way we're trying to push forward and rest, contribute to the restoration of all things exactly. in different areas of our lives. Exactly. So, yeah. And and to do that in a salty way, believers have to see themselves uh, have to see themselves and the world in a in, in a different way than the world sees that sees itself. Yep. All right. So um we'll talk about the truth of Thrifty Shopping. Thrifty Shopper. If you don't know Pastor Dan, which you may not, but he is infamous or famous for loving himself some Thrifty Shopper. With Thrifty Shopper is a, I don't know what was the technical term for it, a thrift store, I guess? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Okay, technically, yeah. Uh, It's a thrift store. So, um, Thrifty Shopper is literally the the thrift store that is owned and operated by the Rescue Mission here in our city. Um, So... And, and, of course, the thrifty shopper uh, would be, I think most people know what thrift stores are, right? Yeah, I would okay. think so. so. Um, and so the question then becomes, do you prefer retail? You go to the mall. If you're looking to buy something, a new set of kicks, some new mm-hmm. pants, a new fancy outfit, do you go to the mall or do you go to thrifty shopper? Well, for sure, thrifty shopper, not just because I want to do good by buying from the thrifty shopper. Uh, for a good cause to support the rescue mission, but also because I have a um, I have a thrill seeking 
drive that comes from discovering a value. It's yeah. a it's a treasure hunt. There is some adrenaline when I find something that could be described as a uh, former retail item that is found at a good value. So it's the treasure hunting, it's the value hunting, and uh, ultimately landing something that you feel like you want it. Yeah. But that takes dedication, right? Yeah. You can't just walk into a thrifty shop or once a month and really expect that to happen. No, that's, I'm so glad you brought that up, Hume, because uh, everyone that, almost anyone that, that I know who starts thrifty shopping uh, based on my enthusiasm will mention to me that they, they really struggle with, they didn't find nothing. Yeah. And, uh, and they, and they basically, uh, I think are, are kind of presenting the possibility that they're all done trying. And, uh, there's a, and and something I learned along the way is treasure hunting requires, um, diligence, diligence. (laughs) It requires consistency and uh, because those treasures are there occasionally. Uh, but if you never go or rarely go, someone else, the more diligent treasure hunter, already discovered it. Yeah. So so I would say no on the retail mall for 100 reasons, starting with the retail mall, in my opinion, is the lowest value. So I have the lowest drive to own something um, that that would be found at a, at a retail mall, except for maybe Auntie Anne's pretzels or Orange Julius. Okay, l- listen to this guy. He's philosophizing about why <laughs> he's intellectualized and moralized his thrifty shop. I know I'm right. I know I'm right. Yeah. Well, if you too want tips on thrifty shopper and how to do it, go ahead, find Pastor Dan Williams on all the social media platforms. Uh, but continue to, we'd love for you to give us a like and share this podcast with your friends. Give us a comment and we will see and hear you next time. So long. Thanks so much for checking out the Salted Podcast. You can find other episodes and topics on SoundCloud and on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you click follow so you can get notifications whenever new episodes come up. Thanks for listening.